The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week we will discuss tools, tips, and ways to radiate your best life ever interviewing practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Welcome to this episode of the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I'm really excited that we're going to be radiating smiles with Fred Matzer, who is the founder and chairman of the Fred Foundation and a leading Dutch humanitarian. Fred has been active in sociological and ecological transformation and is the founder or co-founder of a wide range of charitable foundations that span the fields of health, environment, nature conservation, peace, and global transformation. The principles underlying these foundations are based in on inspiring co-creativity, self-sufficiency, <coughs> empowerment, inspiration, and harmony. All of my favorite things. Welcome, so welcome, um, Fred. Do I call you Fred or? Yes, please. Uh, no, that's good. <laughs> thank you oh, very much. Thank you. Well, welcome, Fred. I'm so happy to have a a true humanitarian on the show. Of course, so many of our guests do practice humanitarian principles, but. Sounds like that's really your background. Um, so you've got this book, this new book, Beyond <clears throat> Us. Can you tell us a bit about this newest book, this collection of essays? Yeah, basically, thank you for asking, Christy, this uh, question, is to help people to stretch their mind and deepen their hearts. Um, often we hardly realize that we make so many choices in our life on automatic pilot, often also based from fear or based uh, on not wanting to be different from other people. And uh, what I've tried to do to write several uh, of those essays to yeah, inspire and stimulate to um, connect deeper with your feelings, to connect deeper with your heart and to use your mind more as a servant of the heart. Mm. Mm. I love that. Rather than sometimes we let the heart lead, in some cases is is fine, but um, right. I love the symbiotic nature of the, the head and the heart. And so how can this book Beyond Us help people who are struggling to make sense of all of the chaos that we're seeing right now? Yeah, 
I help to guide people maybe with new insights. And as I've just experienced myself in life, sometimes deeper insights from wise people give me peace. And in that sense, I may contribute a little bit to the peace of people. Um, the way I have been writing is not trying to convince people. I have tried to write in a way to provide information, create space in the minds and hearts of people so that they have the space and the choice to see if they, on their side, will be convinced. And why am I saying that? Because in this so stressful society, people that live most of the time in their mind try to convince other people, which as you and I know is not a pleasant experience because it takes away your freedom. Right. And um, so what helps is when we read or when we interact with other people, to help and de-stress ourselves, to be patient, to be willing to listen to somebody else and to speak not too fast. Mm. Mm. I'm just absorbing these words. That is, that is so lovely because truly when we tr seek to convince someone, there's maybe a hint of manipulation in that. Oh yeah. It's not freedom. No, and often, yeah, it's well meant. I mean, people are hardly aware that they're doing it. I did it until not so long, several years ago, was still trying to convince me, but I thought this is not working anymore. I don't like that if people, other people try to convince me and then sort of ask you, are you convinced? Oh, no, I don't know. <laughs> So, yeah, that was a big lesson. <clears throat> well, of course. Well, and, and today with all of the social media, the electronics, the advertising that we see everywhere, we're being convinced on all sides of many, many things by many, many people. So when someone is being more authentic and trying not to convince, I think that tends to stand out a little. What do you think? Yeah, whatever it is, I do not compare it. I just... I'm learning to uh, be more quiet mm. because I also know that the lower the frequency of my brain is, mm. the lower my heartbeat is, and the greater the chances that I will absorb information from others mm. and the information that comes through me. So, and this is a little bit change of subject. If we keep, uh, when we talk about consciousness, yeah. uh, consciousness is expressed through the mental faculty, the male side. The mental faculty expresses itself with humans, one of the billions of expressions of life, by the way, in words and numbers. We can communicate with words and numbers because we can make comparisons, order information. So we're educated to use words, 
and to use our mental faculty well. And so it is that we learn to trust them. But we also, apart from this way of information exchange, and what I mean by information, that is everything that is in form, that expresses itself in form, which is the universe, yeah? yeah. That is not only um, digested through the mental faculty, but also to the female part, the feeling faculty. Remember, <clears throat> words always are descriptions of what is, has happened. <clears throat> when you describe something, it's not in the now, it's just that millisecond away from the now, because your words need time to express what your experience is. Feeling, your feeling faculty informs you directly, instantaneously, before the word is spoken. Now the tragedy in human life is that we have not learned in school to trust our feelings and intuition. That is the problem. So true. And, and the best chance to feel not burdened by emotion, and I will explain the difference between feelings and emotions, is with a very low brain rhythm, then you have the highest level of awareness. Uh, when we meditate, we lower our brain frequency. Mm -hmm. When we think we have a high brain, brain, brain frequency, and God wants to speak with us, and we are thinking he is toot, 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 toot. While when we allow ourselves to be thought on a lower brain frequency, then God can talk to us, not so much in words, but in images and feelings. So intuition. Intuition. Now, how do we know that the intuition is correct? <laughs> Right. Well, in that way, I use a metaphor for feelings like a violin. Say a violin, the body, my body is the body of the violin. Mm -hmm. So I, through my senses, I am informed about whatever. And when a violin is played with the strings, a guitar, whatever, the body of the violin or the guitar has no opinion. So the sound frequencies just go through. In its most essence, that is what I would call pure feeling. Now, what is an emotion? An emotion is a dis dissonant on that body. So say, for example, there is a chunk of chewing gum on the body of the violin of, 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 or, the, or the guitar, and then the instrument plays falls. Right. So our emotions are basically the sabotages on our feeling, and still we feel our emotions. Mm -hmm. And in my way, an emotion is always connected to a form of judgment, a form of fear. And yeah. if 
if we put light on our emotions, so if we understand with our awareness what the block of the emotion is, the emotion or the chewing gum melts and we come back into our feeling. Yes, yes. My work deals with that as well, the way that our emotions react in the body. They just need to be seen, expressed, yeah. Yeah. and then they can move along. Yeah, and they can come back, but then you have to work more. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, personally, I have quite some still old pain that sometimes takes me for years to digest or to process and to develop and make it free. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But that's what we, I feel that's what we, what our life purpose is, is to understand yeah. things and deal with them. Yeah. Right. Um, this is beautiful. Now, returning a bit to the book, what, do, what do you hope the reader will take from beyond us? What, what, what is your hope that the reader will do with this information or the essays that are presented and then um, act upon, perhaps? Yeah, first of all, I think that to raise our awareness, mm -hmm. to understand that each second we have infinite possibilities to make new choices. And to help from my side, I would say to go and move from a world that is in chaos by competition and exclusion, to go from let's not compete, but let's cooperate and compare with care in order to share with care. Yeah. So that we may, on individual levels and collective levels, move toward from, from, from thinking in scarcity terms to thinking and acting yes. in terms of inclusion, of abundance. Because if we deeply understand that the whole universe, including the Earth, is a coexisting system. It's an inclusive system. You can never be on the same spot at the same time as me. So we are always together. Whatever life expression, form of expression, being it metabolizing or even in non-life, it always coexists and transforms to be uh, perceived through our senses. So, which this means that everything is part of an inclusion. If we understand that we are part of an inclusion, the logic way of acting is when you see somewhere a shortage, that is logic that you bring stuff or services to those spots or those people, animals, trees, or whatever it is, that need that stuff or that service, instead of what the materialistic world says now, the materialistic worldview is, you know, 
you just compete, you get what you can find, and you assemble and assemble. And it is, it is not logic to give. I mean, yes, luckily in, in spiritual and religious circles, there's a much stronger attitude of giving and sharing than in the, the non-part of this. Mm-hmm. So to help and raise awareness or to inclusion and sharing the presence of abundance and learning to allow your mind to serve the heart instead of seeing the mind, the ratio as the thing to base your decisions upon. Remember, many people think that the ratio is equal to awareness, but awareness and consciousness has several sub um, uh, parts. And one is the ratio and the other is, like I said, the feeling capacity. Mm. But in essence, um, I often say um, decisions that are not filtered through the heart risk to be like unguided missiles and may uh, create a lot of harm. And that's what we see in the world. So before speaking, before taking action, it's very important to go to your own consciousness and ask yourself, is the decision that I'm about to make in the best interest of the whole and all of everybody, of the planet or the universe? And this implies the furthest away from the ego and any form of fear related to ego. Beautiful, beautiful. And also in your book, you talk about um, so often we are our own misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. I feel that is so important. Can you expand upon that a bit? Yeah, perhaps in two ways and more ways, but I, I'm kind of think of more ways now, but understanding often is seen as an activity of the brain, of the mental faculty. Right. So it's mental. And um, <laughs> it's a little bit of a joke to be your own misunderstanding. Basically, I imply, but don't say that, is that if we only talk in understanding, we, we miss the heart as being involved. And the other inroad to we often our own misunderstanding is that I play with the idea that we are not aware of the meaning of understanding, which means we stand under And it is my idea that those many decades or centuries ago, even thousands of years ago, that developed language or created language were already standing on the planet. 
and understood that they were standing under a greater power, which I translate into the divine, into the unseen, the overall consciousness, which does not have time nor space. It's the infant, it is the, um, yeah, that what is, what is spotless and timeless. Uh, it's the power that creates the finite, that creates time and space. And before we were so enveloped, not developed, by all kind of knowledge related to what humans invent, are inventing and have invented, all their tools that they take away from the resources of the earth, there still was attention for these deeper questions. That is my assumption. Right, right. Beautiful. Now, of course, this is a book of essays beyond us. And well, first of all, can you tell us a bit about why you chose that title beyond us? I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but I'd like to like to hear it. Well, it, it, I first, I made the, a documentary and the documentary was called Beyond Me. Mm. And at the tail, we were about to be ready with the documentary. And then in a few months, I wrote those essays. And <laughs> I just thought, why not beyond us? So, and, and it refers to what I was just speaking about, that there is a power um, beyond us, and I mean not us humans, it's you, it's us with the ants, the trees, the pigs, the crystals, the mountains, the stars, the moons, and um, basically that's what I refer to, right. there is that power, I already described it several times during the last half hour or so. Exactly. I was just looking to kind of encapsulate it, but just to ask you in your own words, how you got to that. No, I'm, I, that's, that's fine. I'm happy to answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now, perhaps this has been thought of before, but it's just occurred to me that being a humanitarian is not just about being human. When we're talking about also including care of the mountains, the trees, the animals, et cetera, et cetera, and being part of the divine. What do you yeah. think? I don't know. Well, to be honest, it was one of my teachers way back 25 years ago or so, she said, you're a humanitarian. So I thought, okay. <laughs> so, it, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm like you, I'm, I say, often say I am among people, but I'm not from the people. Right, right, right. All right. So in your essay on self-expression in Beyond Us, you tell a story about Mary that feels very relevant to what 
so many of us are living right now, spending so much time indoors. Can we talk mm-hmm. about that for a minute? Yeah. Well, that's a beautiful story, the Mary story. Mm-hmm. Way back, um, I heard it on an audio tape of a father that had an autistic child. And he created finally the Option Institute and by mirroring the life of his son, finally, after having months and months of patience, he started to help and open his child up, up, wrong. Anyway, but he has the following story. Imagine it's a Sunday morning and the sun is out, it's beautiful weather somewhere in the United States, four or five o'clock, and there's Mary. And Mary is, is a young child, and she's fully awake. Her curtains are open, and not too long before their parents have finished the wallpaper, putting new wallpaper on the wall in the, in the bedroom. And Mary creeps out of her bed, and she goes on the floor, and on the floors are lots of crayons. And she starts to move with the crayons on the wall and starts to create the most beautiful expressions of what she feels. And I don't know how long she is there, and she's having lots of fun. She's not even thinking about anything. And after a certain time, she hears footsteps on the hallway. And later on, she heard a flash, flash of the toilet. And a few seconds later, her door goes open and there she sees her mom three times as tall as she is, having breastfed fed her and say, Mary, what are you doing? We made this wonderful wallpaper, renewed your room and you're completely destroying it back into your bed. Never, never, never do this again. Mary goes back in her bed. Mom slams the door. Fast forward. Mary always listens very carefully, very politely to her mom, to her kindergarten teacher, to the elementary school teacher, to whatever teachers, professors. And after 20, 30 years, becomes a superbly good researcher. She's completely in her head, she's highly awarded, but she's complete also aborted from her feelings. Mm. But she has because she has never trusted her feelings. So what has she done? She has exported her being into her mental faculty. Mm. That's the tragedy of Mary that I recognized that I partly had too. Because we always at home also had to behave, to do things right, exactly to be on the path, what, they, what people expect from you, you need to do that. What Mary could have, what the mom of Mary could have done as well, mm-hmm. this is the alternative, open the door and see it. And indeed she may have felt, felt disturbed and say, wow, Mary, how beautiful, what a wonderful creation. What may, or can you say something about it? Isn't it lovely? 
And then with this patient attitude end up by saying, but Mary, it's not the idea that you use this wall to make drawings. You know, tomorrow we go to the shop and we'll buy you a wonderful sketchbook. And then you can make many drawings in the sketchbook. While telling this story, I relate to my good friend, Jane Goodall. You may have, may have heard oh, about her. Of course. Yeah. She, she always calls me my, um, I'm her brother. She's my sister. We travel together quite a bit in Africa. Yeah. And she has that wonderful story. And this is an authentic story yes. where also being four or five years old in Bournemouth in England, where she lives at the time. And by the way, she still lives there. Um, they have a, 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 a chicken house. You call it a chicken house? Yes, chicken a, a chicken coop. A, a, a chicken coop. And she always wondered, but didn't say, where do these eggs come from? You know, all, all of a sudden there's an egg, you know, how is... So she decides one night, she don't tell, doesn't tell, very early in the morning, she walks out of the big house in Bournemouth and goes into that den, into that chicken house, yeah. sits in a corner and wants to watch how those eggs come into existence. <coughs> anyway, what she does not um, know is that coincidentally, her mom was awake early too, went to the bedroom of Jane and Jane was missing. So she's concerned, where, Jane, where, where are you? <coughs> and finally, <coughs> didn't, didn't know this was in the hand. And anyway, so Jane comes back. And in this case, mom was not angry. She only asked, what have you done? And then Jane told her mom what she has seen and was glad that she now understands where the eggs come from. So this is a touching story for me because I know Jane and I have, Jane is now 83, 84, and I have known her mom too. So her mom has stimulated her to explore and to go always beyond the borders, to go on and even on her first travel back in 96, sorry, her first trip back in 1960, she accompanied her daughter to Tanzania. Mm. That's lovely. Ah, her mother could have ah, handled that so differently, but she did not. <laughs> <laughs> And now I just wanted to send a shout out to some of our supporters, Julian, John, James, Marissa, Charlotte, Pauline, Becky, and Louise. Thank you all so much for keeping this podcast going. If you'd like to support this podcast too, please hit the like, follow, or subscribe button, or give us five stars or a positive review wherever you're listening and share this with your friends. You can also subscribe to Radiate You, our private Facebook group for bonus content, including classes and meditations. Another way to support our podcast is to go to radiatewellnesscommunity.com slash podcast and click on the donate now button. 
However you support us, we greatly appreciate it. And thanks for listening. Oh my goodness. There was one time just last summer, I painted my daughter's room. She had asked me to paint it more teenage colors. And I had no sooner just finished, hadn't even put away all of the equipment. And she had drawn on the wall with a pencil. Ah, oh, true. Yes. This is real, real time. <laughs> this is real life. And I could have handled it very differently. Um, I said, we, I just finished this. I haven't even put everything away. Why are you drawing on? And I realized I could have handled it much differently. I did say it was beautiful. It was, those are very nice, but can we just wait until we at least live in it for a little while? And I said, you can instead put stickers on the wall. Perhaps that would be a little different. So that, uh, so, so timely. Okay, and now in the Paths essay, you recommend meditation and spending more time in nature as ways to slow down the mind. Now, you mentioned that a bit before, that allowing space in a way allows us to consider and think more. Allow you, yeah, I, I know I said um, consider not to think all the time but allow yourself to be thought. Yes. Which yes. means that you, you can also say, to allow yourself to be a hollow reed of God's love so that God can play the flute, which is your body, which is your mind, which is your heart, which is the consciousness that runs through the finite you, which is a divine creation, like a flower like a tree like a fish like whatever is yeah. in existence i just absolutely resonate with the thought of the body being a hollow reed that god inspires of course inspiration is breath that god breathes yeah. light yeah. through that resonates with me so strongly yeah, yeah. um and so for, you know, I am here in Kansas City, Missouri, which is a large city, perhaps not as large as some of the cities in, in the Netherlands. No, but no, no. We have small cities here. The, the biggest do? one is 800,000 or so. <laughs> okay, that's even smaller yeah. than Kansas City, I must yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I believe, I, I find the Netherlands to be beautiful. I've only been once, but it's just a beautiful, beautiful country. Thank you. <laughs> so for city dwellers... How can we incorporate nature and being spending time in nature? Yeah, well, I I would say there often are in city cities are parks. Mm -hmm. So the idea I think is for me, what are the best conditions to if I feel stressful to calm down and I'm in an urban setting is well, to try and find the park. Right. Um, two is, if there's no park, to find a way to listen to classical music mm -hmm. or to an app like Calm, you may know. Yes, yes. <clears throat> and all those instruments 
that helped me to slow down my mind. By the way, that reminds me of an Indian saying, says a busy mind is a sick mind. A slow mind is a healthy mind. And a still mind is a divine mind. And it is so true. It's perhaps I goes a little bit too far if I say, if we allow our brain rhythm to be at the lowest frequency, we have the highest chance to be connected with divine information. Now, a zero brainwave is death. In a way, death is divine. It's so, I'm, of course, I honor life very much. But I wanted also to say, there's nothing wrong with death. There's a lot of death around us. And there's a lot of life around us. And there's a lot of death in us. And around us. So, and life in us. In us. So just to help you to be aware, of course, not only we have consciousness, but also all the cells of which our bodies are made have consciousness. And the cells in our body, they live from three or seven seconds, I forgot, to seven years. So each cell has the consciousness and the willingness to die, to help, to uh, keep our bodies going. Mm -hmm. So the consciousness in a living cell is, we have to serve the whole, in this case, the body. So by doing that, we have a time of life, but we have, there's also time to die and we're willing to die. So if you see the beauty of that, how wonderful that is. <clears throat> and we allow our consciousness to go there, it would perhaps also improve our life a lot. If we can make peace with death, we can also make peace with our presence. We can let go of the past. We can perhaps easily forgive. We may uh, get rid of expectations uh, and embrace the sheer presence of the now. Presence is the essence. Essence means in Latin, in infinity. Oh. Like human being, the human is the finite expression of the being. And to be means essence, and essence is equal to infinity. So if you go back to those that 
created words, there were a lot of wisdom, a lot of wisdom they knew the paradox between the finite and the infinity. So simpler said, we all divine expressions and by divine, I mean that we, that what we do not really understand. Um, yeah, we don't have a grip on. Right, absolutely. It was in that story that yeah, I'm, I'm thinking a little bit in, in, uh, in relations. Uh, once I read a book and that was called Mirdat. And there was um, um, a pupil and um, he, he asked the teacher, but please tell me about God. And then the teacher told the student, but please do understand that the power that conceives grow, um, uh, grows um, flowers, decays and dies, in itself doesn't conceive, grow, flower, uh, decays, nor dies. That is the power of God. And that was, when I read it, that made it so clear what, yeah, yeah. That power has no location, doesn't know time. No time and space are the creation of that unseen unlocated timeless power mm. and that power I associate with the several transcendental experience I've had yes. uh, with pure bliss and the experience of unconditional love <clears throat> beautiful thank you thank you for explaining that um no, Beyond Us highlights many of modern society's ills without mandating concrete solutions. So do you have plans for a follow-up book or diving deeper into some of these issues on any other platforms? Uh, yes, I am already uh, writing new uh, blogs. Um, and it's perhaps um, important, Christy, to um, go and look also to our website, Essentia Foundation. Essentia. Basically, <clears throat> I think that's the most important thing that we are doing. Yes. What the Essentia Foundation aims at <clears throat> is by sharing um, the deepest most recognized scientific knowledge about the school of non-dualism or idealism and bring that as much as possible in the scientific community in a way that I just described and I remind you of it and the listeners which is to give concrete scientific information with the tools of the scientists themselves 
and invite them to become aware of that information so that they can make the choice to be convinced. To be convinced that it is important in the future, even now, but that the leading philosophy in society will be non-dualism and idealism. What is that? Basically, non-dualism says the infinite creates the finite. In other words, consciousness creates the brain, creates the human, creates the stars, creates the universe. Instead of what a materialistic worldview that we live in now says, and by the way, that's endorsed by the vast majority of scientists right now, and of course the people, the 7 billion people, is that brains create consciousness. And the question is, if we ask them, where is their conscious creation, you cannot find it. So, from the materialistic worldview comes a lot of action handling from fear because people are interested in matter. We have the competition, we have the scarcity as described half an hour ago. And with, with idealism, we hope that we are able to open the hearts of people more than ever before. Because if the consciousness is directed in then that way, there would be more trust in intuition and in understanding when you live in an all-inclusive system, you behave like cooperation instead of competition. Yes, absolutely. So, Fred, you mentioned your blog and could you give me that website again please i don't think i have it um well if you look at uh, i i do not uh, it's essentia foundation i think dot org essentia foundation essentia foundation dot org please but you you can also go to fred foundation dot org dot org or com i don't know sorry i'm sometimes a little bit stupid <laughs> but there you will find essentia too and the main uh, driver is Dr. Dr. Bernard Bernardo Kastrup, K A S T R U P, and he is one of the leading metaphysicists in the world these days. He's in his mid forties yes. and a very good friend of mine. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. And this website is fredfoundation.org. I have it in front of me. And you can find uh, Fred Matzer here. And I will put additional links in the show notes. Now, um, Fred, we had talked before about something that you called twinkling eyes. Yeah, that was... I. I... It was way, 1994, I find myself in Washington. Mm -hmm. um, somebody asked me if I was interested to be honored with the first International Caring Award. 
Wow. And um, that was an honor, and I didn't know anyway. And so I was talking with Bill Hallamandaris, who was one of the initiators of that prize. There was already uh, 10 national caring awards for many years, in, and it was a, in the Watergate building a ceremony. And this was the first one and um, yeah, that I got. And I'm very proud to say that the year after was uh, Mother Teresa. But anyway, oh. so uh, we, was, we were talking and, and I said to Bill, you have really, you have twinkling eyes. I said, you too. And then I said, Bill, let's do this. Let's start the first non-exclusive club in the world clubs are always so exclusive right. and i'm i'm telling you we are going to do the twinkling eyes club and i asked his thumb see my thumb mm -hmm. i had a pen at hand and i put a smiley face see <laughs> on my thumb <clears throat> and i put the same and then i put one on mine and then i said now, do you want to become a member of the Twinkling Eyes Club? And he said, yes. And so this was the way we inaugurated it. Yeah? Putting your thumbs together. Yeah, but, but, yes, but then, so we can do this now, you and me. Yes. Oh, and I can't so, yeah, For now, but anyway, the idea is, is yes. clear. And I said, in this game, because it's, it's an all-inclusive club, we aim to have all members of the human world, human society, a member. So it's a chain condition. If you're a member, you have to make more members. So I've done a lot of this stuff. And when it goes down, so somebody once said, do tattoo it. And I said, no, like love, you need to maintain it. So you have to draw it time and again, because right. you need to remind yourself of that love. So anyway, I've done with Jane Goodall also an afternoon, 700 people in Africa. There was a huge job, children. Yes. <clears throat> and the funny story is also in Central Park. Uh, I used to be married with an American woman with, and her daughter lived in New York. And um, she, she knew about the Twinkling Eyes Club and it was a Sunday afternoon and she wanted to see a nice man sitting, lying in the grass. And what I have not yet told you, but we also made stickers. And so she goes to this young man and said, do you want to become a member of the Twinkling Eyes Club? And then he opened his agenda and he said, I am already a member. And he showed this, a sticker on front of an agenda. Isn't it interesting? Is the meaning of coincidence. Oh yeah. my goodness. Well, but Amazing, yeah. co the meaning of co-creation as well. And co-creation as well. Wow. Right. right. So you now are a member. And when the inauguration period is over or ceremony is over, you say miles of smiles. Miles of smiles. Sprinkles of twinkles. Sprinkles of twinkles. And or lots of love. And or lots of love. That may Easy. be my new motto. Yes. 
You know, and as I mentioned, in the days of COVID, we're all wearing masks these days. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to tell under the mask if someone is smiling. Mm -hmm. But you can always show them your smile. Good idea. One sec. Here you go. go. Fred, it has been absolutely delightful to radiate smiles and radiate twinkling eyes. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you feel like is important to mention, something maybe we didn't talk about that you would like to bring up before we go? Yeah, one thing. Way back in 1983, mm-hmm. I listened to an audio tape, and the audio tape was... Um, made by Jerry, Dr. Jerry Jampolsky. Mm-hmm. He's a child psychiatrist, and he is one of, he, at the time, before Marianne Williamson, you know Marianne Williamson? Oh, came. yeah, absolutely. I've seen um, he was the big voice of the Course in Miracles. Uh, Course in Miracles. And he had an adagium that has stayed with me my whole life. Yeah. He said, love... Love is letting go of fear. Where there's fear, there is no love. Mm-hmm. And where there's love, there is no fear. And back in 1983, now nearly 40 years ago, it's so true. By the way, I became deeply befriended. He passed away in December, it was 94. A few hours before he died, he requested his wife to call me. He died in Sausalito, California. And um, I had the privilege to talk with him and even make some jokes. And uh, yeah, he was a real big teacher. Low ego. His book, Love is Letting Go of Fear, has sold by millions, I think 10 million copies. Oh, so. yes, I've read that. Yeah, yeah, this is huge. Yeah, huge. Yeah. But, but a very modest, loving person. Yeah, amazing. That is lovely. That is lovely. Fred, thank you for sharing all of your stories with me, with us, with our listeners, and um, just your your kindness and your humanity. I just... I truly thank you for being part of this. And um, I hope we, I hope you write another book soon so that we can have you back. Yeah, I'll do my best now. (laughs) Excellent. Radiate Wellness is a community of holistic and alternative healers and consultants based in the Kansas City area dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, 
They don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.